Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Sherelle McMillan talking about the UNC game against Louisville last night. But before we get to that, Rel, how was your weekend, man? Everything going okay for you? Uh, yeah, pretty good. It's uh, the first time I've had a long weekend for President's Day in a long time, so just trying to enjoy that. Nice. Unfortunately, I do not have off. It's uh, not a holiday in my career field, but you know, for those of you who are going to have a Monday free, definitely enjoy that. And you know, and it's always a good thing when you have a long weekend combined with a UNC victory. So I'm sure that makes things a little bit even nicer. Yeah, I, I thought they played well on uh, Saturday night against Louisville. It was a really impressive performance in that they led basically the whole game. I think maybe Louisville might have led four to two or something like that, and then Carolina finished it off the rest of the way. So just really impressed with the team and what they've been able to do over the last couple of weeks. When you know they were five and five, and we were talking about how many wins are left on the schedule, and as of now, there are five, and there's a possibility for three more. So I think Roy Williams and I think everybody is pretty pleased with how they played the last few weeks. Yeah, and I think the biggest question mark that I had, and I think a lot of Carolina fans had too, is how would the team respond after having a break? Because they went on that three-game winning streak where it was three games and six nights. And you know, as we've seen with, with college teams, sometimes when you get a break, you kind of relax a little bit and you can start off rusty. But like you said, Rail, the heels came out and they basically took control of this game from the tip-off. You know, me, Sean, Rob, and Ben Sherman were texting during the game, and Ben said they looked bouncy. And I think that was accurate. I mean, they came out, you could tell that they were well rested, that they weren't going to really miss a beat. A lot of times it's the whole rust versus rest thing. You always hear about it in the NFL playoffs for teams who have the bye. Would you rather keep playing or would you rather uh, get some time off to heal? I think it worked perfectly for North Carolina in that, you know, it was a few days off, but it wasn't like it was a couple of weeks. It was really only two days off of practice and then practice on Thursday, shoot around on Friday and then uh, the game on Saturday. So it's not like they were off for a couple of weeks or anything, but it, it definitely... Uh, Joel Berry looks spry. He was finishing around the basket really well. I think he's improved on that. Adrian Atkinson had a couple stats on it. Cam Johnson, Theo Pinson. The only one who looked a little, uh, I guess, bothered initially was Luke May, but he turned it around towards the end of the game and, and put up a great stat line again. So everybody played well, I think. And I think Roy Williams didn't substitute from the eight under the under eight timeout until the end of the game. He rode the starter. So I don't know if he could have done that if they hadn't had you know those three or four day break. How surprised were you, though, Rel, that Louisville was favored at the KFC Yum Center at the tip-off of this game? Uh, not particularly surprised. I, I think part of it is just it's hard to win on the road in the ACC. And then you start looking at North Carolina's numbers at the Yum Center. I think they were 0 of 2. And both times, uh, Carolina had played well. And then Louisville had a kind of a furious comeback. One was in overtime. I think Carolina got up by like 20 in one of those games, but you could see why. And Louisville has a, a decent record and they have some length and athleticism that many people thought was going to give North Carolina a problem. So you start to add all that up and I could see how people would say, hey, Louisville might win this game. But I think North Carolina showed that it is a far better team. And there are people who've done some research on Twitter and just looked at Louisville's schedule. And part of it, part of the reason they have a really good record is because they haven't had the best schedule. They played and feasted on some of the bottom dwelling teams in the ACC. So I think maybe that got overlooked, but I wasn't surprised that they were favored just because Carolina struggled uh, at the Yum Center. Well, meanwhile, Carolina's strength of schedule, I think, is number one in the country right now. So that just shows that the heels 
while they do have seven losses on the season, some of those have been to quality teams. But let's talk about performances right now. You mentioned Luke May earlier, but I thought that the player of the game was Joel Berry, and I know I'm not alone in thinking that. I think in the larger larger context, it's not so much about what he did on Saturday, but he's rounding into form as you go into March. And we'll hear the cliches over and over probably the next two weeks uh, as we head into the ACC tournament and then Selection Sunday. But March really is all about guard play. And if you have a good guard who can get hot and who can carry you, then you know you can make a Final Four. And to see Joel Berry rounding into form as Carolina comes down the stretch, I think is a very positive sign. I also think that Theo Pinson is, is getting there too. He's playing probably the best basketball of his career over the last month. He's scoring, he's shooting, which was surprising, but he's making shots. He's assisting, he's rebounding, he's playing defense. He's really doing a little bit of everything. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Barry's play has improved once Pinson got the ball in his hands more. Yeah, Theo at the point guard might honestly end up being the thing that kind of makes this season better than what a lot of people were contemplating it could be two, three weeks ago. And Theo is who I wanted to talk about next. I'm with you. I thought when Theo hit that three to start the game and then he hit a couple jumpers, when you see those shots go down, I just know it gives Carolina fans a big time boost of confidence. So I I would imagine that the team feels more uplifted than the fans do. Oh, without a doubt, because Theo is someone who, uh, you know, just from hearing the team talk, they, they all appreciate what he does. He's kind of a check on Joel, and Joel's a check on him. Uh, so if Joel's too serious, then Theo can be, you know, jovial. Um, if Joel's the bad cop, Theo can be the good cop. He can say, hey, you know, don't worry about him. Just just play hard, you know, that kind of thing. So I think the team gets energized, like he said, when when he's out there making plays. And the larger point to me is that what you see is two seniors who realize that everything is almost over. We talk about it every year in the podcast when it gets towards March. But the finality of a career, the finality of playing at North Carolina is it's really I think in front of Penton and Barry, and that's why you're starting to see better performances. You're starting to see them, not that they weren't playing hard before, but you're starting to see them kind of take it to the next level as far as, you know, diving on the floor and intangibles and all those things. So I think that's something to monitor over these last three games in the regular season and then into the ACC tournament is that these guys have won and they won a lot and they want to win some more. So you can start to see them kind of flip the switch. Then turning to the bench, you mentioned, Rel, that Roy played the starters a lot this game. And that's true. I mean, Theo had 29 minutes, but that was partly in due to some foul trouble that he had. But Joel Berry, 36. Kenny Williams, 36. Cam Johnson, 35. And Luke May, 34. So this was obviously a game that the starters really carried the biggest burden. But when you're looking at the bench, the player that stood out the most to me was Sterling Manley. And I think it's fair to say that at this point, he is the furthest along of the freshman bigs, and it's probably by a considerable distance at this point. Um, I, Yeah, I, I think he's a little bit further along. There are still things that Garrison Brooks does that maybe Manley doesn't do as well, and there's still things that Manley does that Brooks doesn't do as well. And that has been the issue the whole time is that you, they can't get one of the guys to do both of the things. So they're, they're still going to rely on both of them. And Manley, he, he really has started playing better. He's still good at the free throw line. He's finishing a little better. And his issues is just they're not going to be able to be fixed this season, which is predominantly he needs to just get stronger, 
uh, lower and upper body and improve his conditioning. That's not really something you can do during the season. Garrison is a little different. He's playing out of position, as we talked about throughout the year. Roy Williams recruited him to be the backup to Luke May. So he's more of a traditional four as opposed to the five. So he's just trying to play a role. I would like to see him finish a little bit better. There were a couple of times against Louisville. There were a couple of times really going back to Duke and Pittsburgh where he had chances to finish around the basket and he just either lost the ball or had it taken from him. So you want to see him improve in that aspect. But I think what what they have been giving the team the last few games is what the team needs heading into the ACC and NCAA tournaments, which is basically, as we always say, just don't be a negative, play defense, block a shot, grab rebounds. If they can get that from those two guys, I think they'll be in good shape. Well, with Sterling Manley, what always sticks out to me is how, number one, he's not afraid to be on the court with some ACC players that are upperclassmen. And I think he honestly relishes the chance to get out there. And number two, his athleticism and his potential, I think, are way higher than what his ranking was coming out of high school and probably what most Carolina fans were expecting. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Uh, he was the biggest unknown. Maybe that he might have been the biggest unknown that Roy Williams has recruited and signed since he's been at Carolina, only because he didn't have any really time on the AAU circuit because of injuries. He really didn't have much time or film for the coaches to watch because he had injuries the last two years of high school. So you're basically going from pickup games and practice in September to Roy Williams offering a scholarship to trying to figure out what Manley can be in the ACC. And the guy, uh, you know, from top Talking to him the last couple of years, he definitely does not lack confidence. We ran a story probably, I guess it was in June, maybe June, May or June. And he basically talked about how once you get on campus, rankings don't mean anything and how he was ultra confident in himself because, you know, he had a good support system that he felt like if he hadn't gotten hurt, he would have been a much higher rated recruit. And I think that confidence is what you see when he's on the court. It really starts to shine through. And that's needed because if you're on the court and you don't think you belong with the other players, then you've already lost. So it, it's important that he has that confidence. And that's really going to carry him into next season, where I really think he can really be a key part of what North Carolina hopes to do next year as well. Yeah, the growth of Manley and Brooks will be key going into next season. But just real quickly before we finish the Louisville segment, talk about 7th Woods because even though his stat line wasn't you know that impressive if you just look at the box score, I thought that he actually played really good in the eight minutes that he had. He was under control. The offense was able to run while he was out there. So talk about 7th Woods real quick and you know, what you've been observing about him through these last few games. Yeah, it worked out pretty well the way he came back in that they had the three games in five days and then he has another two weeks to get into practice, to get back into the groove. And, and against Louisville, I think you saw some improvement from where he was on Monday, which, you know, I think you saw improvement from where he was on Monday, from Saturday, Saturday, from Thursday, on and on. So, you know, he he turned the corner one time and tried to go to the rim, which is the first time. He's done that since he's been back. He had a nice pass to Joel in the corner for a three. He had, I think he had a block on uh, number 30 for Louisville. So he did some good things. And if he can just do that for those eight minutes, just he's going to take a shot. And part of it is when he's in the game, he's really, if he's in the game and Theo's in the game, he's technically not playing point guard. He might be the one in name, but Theo is the point guard in function. So that helps him out a little bit. But he's giving them good minutes. He's letting Joel get a rest, which is probably more important than any points he'll score, any assists he'll get. It's just allowing Joel to be at 100% ready to go and, and able to play 34, 35 minutes, you know, when it comes to the ACC and NCAA tournament. So I, I think it's a positive. Um, I, I don't expect much from him this season just because he missed so much time and it's so hard to get back into the groove in the middle 
of the season. But as we start talking about next year a little bit, even bigger than the big men, I guess how that's going to shake out with Sterling and with Garrison and with Huffman and even Walker Miller. The biggest thing is, you know, can seventh be the point guard at North Carolina next season? So I think that's the biggest offseason question. So we'll see. To answer your question, he played well against Louisville. <laughs> yeah, right about way of coming to that, but I agree. <laughs> but let's go ahead and look forward to the Syracuse game coming up on Wednesday. Well, that is going to be at Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. And the biggest stat line that I think to see if it will carry over into that game is Carolina's three-point shooting. Against Louisville, the Heels were 12 for 27, 44%. And they only shot 10 free throws. So Carolina was taking some jumpers, but they were going down in this game. Obviously, Syracuse is going to play 2-3 zone. Everyone knows that. Everyone's expecting it. The really only time I can remember Carolina facing a 2-3 zone for extended stretches of the game was against Duke. And, you know, the heels were able to shoot over that zone. It's going to be different, though, when you're playing on the road versus in the Dean Dome. So how do you see the heels being able to attack that zone? Do you think it will be finding open guys on the outside and shooting three? Or do you think that Roy might try to go inside like he's done in past years? I think it'd be a little bit of both just because if North Carolina moves the ball well, there will be some open threes and Kenny Williams and Cam Johnson have shot well the last five or six games. But what could really change things is Luke May at the free throw line against that zone, either Luke May or Theo Pinson. For Pinson, it would be driving from that position to get open shooters in the corners or on the wings. For May, it'd be just an easy pull-up jump shot that if they left him open, he could nail that you know all day long. So they're going to have to really pick their poison. I think Syracuse is. Do they want Luke May and Theo Pinson to to hurt them from the high post kind of at the free throw line? Or are they going to allow Cameron Johnson and Kenny Williams to maybe not get open threes, but get, I should say, maybe not get wide open threes, but get good looks from the wing? So I, this is the, I'm not going to say it's the most well-equipped Carolina team to face the Syracuse zone, but it is a team that uh, is different. And it, I, I think they'll play well. I think they'll be able to hit some open shots. They're probably going to take a lot more threes than Roy Williams wants in this game, just because the, the shooters are so confident right now. But I do think they have a good chance to win just because of how the team is built. Well, and then when you look at the rebounding as well, you know, Carolina right now is averaging 43.3 rebounds per game. Syracuse is only averaging 38. And the Heels out-rebounded the Cardinals by, I think it was over 10, or it was close to it. So I think that also is going to be a big part, because even if you miss shots against the zone, you know, if you can get those second chance points, that leads to even potentially better looks. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, I, it's kind of amazing. Cause at times you, you wonder how they're doing it, that North Carolina, despite their non-traditional Royal Williams lineup, is still leading the country in rebounding differential, starting Luke May, Cameron Johnson, Theo Pinson as the front line. So it's, it's pretty phenomenal. And part of that is that Kenny Williams and Joel Berry rebound so well for their positions. It, this is a game where I wouldn't be surprised if like Kenny Williams or Theo Pinson goes well over 10 rebounds just because the volume of outside shots is going to lend themselves to some long rebounds. And Kenny Williams will hustle anybody when it comes to grabbing those. So I, I think you could see one of those, you know, kind of weird stat lines from Kenny Williams where he has like 10 points with 14 rebounds. And it's kind of like, how did that happen? But he rebounds not only his area well, but he's able to go track down balls from long rebounds. So that, that's definitely a good point by you and something to look out for. And then final thoughts, Rail, before we end this one. Carolina only has three games left. Syracuse on Wednesday, then Miami, and then at Duke for the finale. But the Miami game on the 27th, that is the last home game for these seniors. So that's obviously has a star next to it as a game of big time importance. Do you think that the team will be focused against Syracuse or do you worry a little bit that they may be 
you know, have in the back of their minds that, hey, our final home game is coming up pretty soon. Oh, no, I think this team right now is not to steal from UNC, but hashtag locked in from a couple of years ago. That's exactly what they are. They're dialed in that three games in five days. You know, people make fun about it. Like people make fun of media and people who cover North Carolina for making a big deal out of it. But I really think it, it, it just turned something around in the team and really boosted their confidence. And they don't have to worry about like, hey, we have to play in two days or we have to play in three days, the way the schedule sets up. They know they can play as hard as they can for as long as they can, and they'll get a five-day break. And then when it comes to Miami, they know they play as hard as they can for as long as they can, and they get a four-day break. So I, I think the mental part of it, that part of it is important too. But I, I think they're focused. They're looking at Syracuse and only Syracuse. And when that's done, they'll start thinking about Miami. And when that's done, they'll get ready for Duke. Thanks for the information, Rel. We will try to be on later on this week with you and Sean Moran to talk about uh, the post-Syracuse and, you know, dive a little bit more into depth against Miami. But really appreciate you jumping on and talking with me tonight, man. Yeah, and sorry to make one last point, but the other thing that's in front of them, Charlotte is back in play because of how well they've played the last couple of weeks in the winning streak and some of the things that have happened with Clemson. And so there's a chance, you know, if, if they play well, if, you know, if they went out, certain things have to happen. But, you know, two weeks ago, the talk was not, hey, maybe they can play in Charlotte for the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. It was like, well, if they make it, where would they get shipped off? So again, that speaks to how much things can change that quickly. But that's something else that is really important, taking a bus trip to Charlotte for the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament versus maybe flying out to Wichita, Dallas, or Nashville. So that's something else I think the coaching staff will have them prepared for and why they're going to take it, you know, one game at a time, not to be cliche. Now, that's actually a really good point. I, I did not think of that, but I'm sure that Inside Carolina will be having a ton of coverage as this season winds up. So everyone stay tuned to the Inside Carolina Premium Basketball Board for that, and we'll talk with everyone again soon. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.